Let's go ahead and pray um, just to start. Lord, help. <laughs> help us, Lord. Um, bless this word. Um, speak through us, Lord. Anoint this message. And just bless the people that are here listening and hearing your word, God, that you would speak to them and that you would make a mess out of the message, God, and that you would just bless us real good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, um, so that's it for the service. Um, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're laughing back there. Okay, good. Joyful. I'm just kidding, Alonzo. Um, they dared me to do that. Alonzo's here from Arizona, everybody. Belen's brother. I know you're visiting family, but thank you for making time to come visit us. We, we love you, and we appreciate you guys, you and your family, bro. Um, so I'm a little nervous about today just because the last year I spent talking about finances, so I kind of felt like really good on that one, you know, and then now I'm kind of like, well, what am I going to talk about now? And so I've been reading the book of Nehemiah, and I think I kind of like talking about um, a particular subject for a whole year. I kind of like how that went. Um, we saw a lot of impact. Um, like we shared at the last message, right? A lot of our people tithe now and move in offerings and people are getting jobs and um, raises and bonuses and getting checks in the mail and, and inheritances and uh, and just like a little uh, praise report. I'm just kind of going to go with the flow here. A praise report, you guys, for, who was here for the reward, the last message that I shared? So, um, remember Jesus blessed some people that day? Um, so, Meryl and I went to go do our taxes last Saturday, and the amount that was given out during that service, we got 10 times that back in our taxes. So, amen to that. God is, God is just so generous, amen? So, um, just keep testing him, keep being faithful. And, um, you know, the Lord will provide no matter what. And so I had to kind of just ask God, like, what do you want to talk about? Um, you know, what do you want to say? Uh, and so for this next year, I think I'm just going to kind of focus on Nehemiah's life. And if you don't know, that book is in the Old, in the First Testament. I almost said Old Covenant. It was an Old Covenant. But it's in the First uh, Testament. Um, it's around Ezra's book, those books kind of go together, Ezra and Nehemiah, and it takes place after uh, Israel has kind of, like, they've been scattered, and um, the Persian king kind of has taken over, and the, some of the Israelites have been captured, uh, and Jerusalem, um, if you think about it in terms like castles, right, they, had their, they have their walls and they have their gates, and so Jerusalem is in a, in a moment or a season of devastation, um, the gates are destroyed, the walls are, are destroyed, every, and then stuff is burnt down. So Nehemiah decides to do something about it. So he's a, he's a really interesting um, life. Uh, I'm going to do a little intro today, and we'll see what we can get done. And then um, I'm just going to keep talking about it um, for like the next couple of times that I preach. Um, and it goes along, uh, I really don't want to change the subject, it goes along with how we started the year. So if you remember, Pastor Mario talked about uh, God's will, the vision for our church, right? That the God wills that people would see the sun. 
And then David preached the message and said that the main function of the church is to evangelize. And so what I took from that was be Jesus. And the very nature of Jesus is to evangelize and to capture the hearts of, of, of men and women so that they can see that their father is calling out to them, telling them to come back home. So we're going to go through this journey uh, the next couple of times that I preach, and we're going to follow Nehemiah's journey as he, um, as he kind of like represents a Christ uh, in, in the first uh, testament. Amen? So as I was kind of preparing for today, um, I was kind of feeling kind of, kind of down. You know, you, you ever have those like, uh, those like days where you're just kind of like low, like for no reason, like you can't really put your finger on it, and you're kind of like why do I feel down today? Like, I'm not even bloated or anything. And, you know, I just, I've been sleeping. I, I've been sleeping really well, actually. Uh, I haven't been exercising. Maybe that's what it is. But just kind of like, have you ever felt stuck? Right? Amen? Let me hear you. So, like, uh, kind of like you're like in a rut, right? Sometimes like you're like, ah, like, you know, like you can't move and and then there's those moments where you're by yourself and nobody's looking and you just want to sit there and cry for no good reason. Like make sure nobody's looking but you want to cry like before the Lord and you just want to be like, God, I don't know what's wrong with me. I woke up today and I feel ugly and I just, I don't know, right? And then God comes and he's like, what's going on? I don't know. That's why I'm crying out to you. And so as I was praying for today, um, really like it didn't come to like last night. Um, God was like, just talk about this and talking with Meryl. I was like, Holy Spirit, tell Meryl to tell me what to talk about. <laughs> and she said, you know, be Jesus. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of thinking about that already. And so um, what I wrote down uh, as I was praying into this, um, I felt like, felt like God said that, and listen to the wording, and if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Much of what happens for us um, begins in what is unseen. A lot of the 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 favor, if if I can, if I can talk like this, and 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 then I'll kind of like give it context. A lot of like the favor, um, right? When when we we tell the worship leaders to come up here, um, Jesse and Belen are really good at saying like, don't just worship. Wait till you get up here to worship. Worship during the week. So when you get up here, you're just doing what you've been doing all week, right? And so what God told me um, was a lot of what happens for us actually begins in what is unseen. If you remember, Jesus says that don't let your right hand know what your left hand is giving and don't let your left hand know what your right hand is giving, right? And give in secret and then things like your father sees what you do in secret and he rewards you in public or, you know, what God whispers to you in the quiet, say it out loud in the public. And so I started thinking about that and thinking about how I had been kind of like been feeling. Um, and I started thinking, well, you know, I think I haven't like actually sat down and just quieted like my soul. Um, like and just quieted and just like listened to the Lord. Like, like I've been like kind of like in passing, like kind of like, oh, God, like, you know, yes, like help me and, and you know, bless this and, and whatnot. And then I started to see like, you know, what needed to happen was just like the quiet time with God, right? So much of, of what we want to see sometimes and what isn't happening, or maybe sometimes what happens to us like in life, right, 
has also its beginnings in the unseen. If it's an attack, it's a spiritual attack. It begins in the unseen. If, um, if maybe you're not seeing breakthrough in an area, you should ask yourself, well, have I been praying? You know, have I really been pressing in for this? Have I really been seeking the Lord for this? And if you have been praying and it hasn't happened yet, the answer isn't to stop praying, obviously. It's to keep pressing into God, right? Because if we pray for someone or if we pray for something and it doesn't happen, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to do it. Because everybody that came into contact with Jesus got healed. They got delivered. They got saved. So that's the standard automatically. And so if we pray for something to happen and it doesn't happen, that, that's not an excuse for us to lower the standard. Does that make sense? The standard is that everyone is supposed to get healed. Everyone is supposed to be able to contribute healthy, right, and just prosper in like every kind of way. So, um, so that's just kind of like where I was at when I was preparing for this and as we prepare for this journey. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1. And give me an amen when you're there. Uh, I'm reading the New American Standard Bible, but the one that's going to be up on the monitors is New King James. So it goes like this. And as I'm reading, I'm going to read all of Nehemiah chapter 1, uh, and then if we get to it, a little bit of chapter 2. It's not that long. It's only like 15 verses. Amen? Okay. So, and as I'm reading, I'm probably going to be, I'm going to be talking. So now it happened in the month of... Cheslev, in the 20th year, while I was in Susa, the capital of Persia, uh, if you need to know where that is in modern day, that's actually in Iran. Um, so it's like, I think it's like some 100 or 200 miles away from Jerusalem. So think like Middle East. So, and Nehemiah is writing this, this book, by the way. So it's in first person. So you're going to see a lot of like, I was in Susa. So it's Nehemiah actually speaking. So let me start at, while I was in Susa, the capital, that um, Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Verse 4. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Let's stop there. So Nehemiah, and I kind of want to also try to make this practical. Um, so remember, the will of the Father is to see Jesus. Our main function is to evangelize. So we just keep this in mind. When I say be Jesus, just think of all of those. Okay, good? Okay. So Nehemiah, like us, he asks his brothers, how is it going, right? More specifically, he says, what's the state of the city? What's the state of our brothers? Like, how are they doing? And they don't just say, like, oh, we're doing good or whatever. They actually say, like, you know, Jerusalem is, is devastated. There's a lot of distress, and they deliver some bad news. Now, as a, as a man, sometimes when I get bad news, let's say from my wife, my first instinct is to fix it. I want to like jump in there immediately, get my hands like dirty and like fix whatever is like going on. But Nehemiah, 
I want you to notice that he does uh, something in particular, and this is what we should do in our daily life, as we are being Jesus to the world and the people around us. The first thing Nehemiah did was he asked. So if you're taking notes, write down, he asked. So the first thing he did was he asked. Then he heard and got some information, right? Because if you read that verse, it says that he asked, and then he heard what they told him. And when he heard the bad news, he didn't immediately jump to start trying to solve the issue or trying to, like, fix the issue. He sat down. A lot of times um, when stuff happens to us, if we're going through, like, a hard time um, and maybe something's just not going the right way that we want it to go, the best thing that you can do is just sit down, is just stop. It's quiet everything down around you. And just listen to what God is saying. And so as I was like going right the last couple of days, like not feeling, not kind of like just feeling stuck. What I realized yesterday was I just needed to stop. And that could have been at work, but it happened to be at my apartment last night. And where I just stopped and just listened to what God was saying. And just quieted everything around me. So you might be at work and you need to do that. And you might need to keep working while you're doing that. But maybe you need to take a break. Or while you're sitting there, you ask God, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? You know, don't be afraid to kind of um, take a seat or, or take a little break to kind of just get yourself back together with the Lord. So that's what Nehemiah is doing. He asked. He heard. He heard some bad news. So he sat down. The next thing he did was an expression. He wept. The Bible says that he cried. So a lot of the times... We might sit down and, and, and sit down from either being tired or being like heavy burdened. And, and we might sit down and we might think like, you know, like I don't know what's going on. And then we get back up right away. Right? Sometimes we have short attention spans and we start praying. And then before you know it, somehow we end up on Instagram looking at pictures and then looking at videos on Facebook. It happens to me all the time. I'll be praying and I'm like, God, in Jesus' name. And I'm like, ooh, I like this video of this uh, snow, snowboarding right here. I was like, wait, I was praying, you know. And so we get distracted very easily. But Nehemiah sat down and he wept. So that tells me that he fully gave himself to what he heard. And a lot of the times God is asking us to fully give ourselves to the people around us because they need us. So he wept and he mourned for days. So the Bible says that, um, can you put that Bible verse back up, Jair? Verse 4. So it says, he heard these words, sat down, and wept, and mourned for days. But here's the cool thing, is that it's not that God doesn't want us to be void of any emotion or any expression. It's he wants us to express and, and show him how we feel in prayer, even if it's something negative or if it's sad. But I like what he says. Um, there's a semicolon after days, and he says, in my version it says, but... I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So it's important that we realize that where we sit down to weep, where we sit down to, to, to eat or to be happy at the end of our day or in the middle of our day or how you start your day, it's important that when we sit down, we realize that we sit down before the Lord. And if we hear some bad news, if, if something happens and we need to process, it's important to realize that we sit before the Lord. That we sit in heavenly positions. Amen? So that's kind of Nehemiah's like 
going. And I love that he says, but I was fasting and praying. Because a lot of times stuff happens to us. But remember, something, something might happen to us. But if we want something to happen for us, then we got to get into the quiet place. We got to get into the place that's unseen, that people don't see what's going on. They, people might see, um, I'll use Jay as an example. Like today, the worship was amazing. And the whole worship team, um, the, the moment when you started singing How He Loves, I just felt like from the worship team, just like a wave of like love and like fire coming from God. And so we see that. But what we don't see is during the week. If you're not on the worship team, you don't see the practice, the vocal practice, the workshops. But all of that stuff that is unseen actually has an impact on what you see. And so if you get something or if you are going after something, because it's not necessarily if something bad happens to you, you might just be going for more with God. You actually have to go into the unseen so that you can impact what you want to see or what people will see. Does that make sense? Okay. If it didn't, I said it and <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> so let's keep, um, let's keep reading. So verse 5. And here's Nehemiah's prayer. Obviously, it's not every single prayer that he prayed because he prayed for many days. But I love his prayer. Let's listen to the language. Uh, Nehemiah said, I beseech you, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night. Let's stop right there. I think it's kind of uh, kind of it's kind of funny. Meryl and I were laughing at, at this because um, at the beginning of the week, uh, before I left to work, I was talking to her and almost like without thinking about it twice. Let's see if you catch it. Um, I told her I was like, "Let's do something new um, every day." I go um, for five minutes. Let's pray for each other for five minutes. Did you catch it? You guys probably didn't catch it. I told her, let's do something new. As like husband and wife for five minutes, like let's just really sit down. Like I'll do it while I'm on the way to work. You do it while you're maybe here at home or wherever. And, you know, let's just do this for five minutes that we get on our own quiet time and just pray for each other for five minutes. Did you catch it? David looks confused. <laughs> it's, just, it's just me being redundant when I was talking to her. I told her for five minutes, let's pray for each other for five minutes. And she started laughing. I was like, why are you laughing? She's like, you said for five minutes for five minutes. And I was like, yeah, well, it's a five-minute prayer for five minutes. Because you could pray a 60-minute prayer in five minutes. But I want you to pray a five-minute prayer in five minutes. Like, I want you to give me five good minutes. <laughs> and I was just trying to save myself out of, out of like, what I, what I did. But when I read this, I kind of thought that it was similar. Because when you read um, verse 6... Um, Nehemiah says, let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you. <laughs> Do you get how, you see how it's kind of redundant? Like he's like, Lord, hear your, hear the prayer of your servant, which I'm praying before you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, okay, 
It's almost like when you have like a little kid, right? And they come up to you and they want to talk to you and they're, and they're like, but are you watching? But are you watching? And then they go and they start to do their little thing that you, they, they want you to see. And then they turn back around to make sure that you're watching. And so that's what Nehemiah is doing. He's praying to God, to his father. And he's telling him, are you, you're watching, right, dad? Like you're watching what I'm, what I'm praying, right? Like pay attention because this matters to me, Lord. So anyways, I thought that was kind of interesting. And, um, and the other cool thing is that he says, your eyes, may your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant. It's interesting that he would say, let your eyes be open to hear. Eyes don't hear, eyes see. Ears hear. But it's interesting that when you are captivated by the eyes of God, you know he's listening to you. And so when he's watching you and you're praying, are you sitting down long enough to be captivated by his eyes so that what you are looking for, you can see it because he can see it? Amen? Let's keep reading. Verse 7. We have acted corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part, were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and I will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. It's kind of interesting that Nehemiah would remind God of something negative. Like he said, God, you said that if we didn't keep your commandment, you were going to scatter us. When you get in trouble, the last thing you want to remind the person of authority is what you did. <laughs> right? The last thing when you got in trouble as a young person with, with your mom or your dad or if you got in trouble with your boss, the last thing you wanted to do was point out your mistake. Instead, you want to fix it up really quick. And then be like, look, I did something good, right? And so, but Nehemiah is like keeping it real with God. He's like, look, Lord, I'm not going to ignore the status of our people. And he's not also going, they disobeyed you, Lord. And then you scattered them. He's saying, we disobeyed you, God. So he's incorporating himself. He's not pointing the finger, but he's incorporating himself and saying, God, we disobeyed you. We were scattered but he reminds them at the same time, the word said, Lord, if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, then we'll be returned back to where your name dwells. So a lot of times when we feel far away from God, all we need to do is remember that, but Lord, if I turn to you and remember you, then I will be where your name dwells. Amen? So if you're going through any difficult situation, or, you've, or maybe you're thinking, ah, I've made a mistake or I've messed up here or there, um, whatever it may be. All you need to think about in that moment is, Lord, I return to you and everything is immediately okay. Um, let's go to verse 10. So then Nehemiah keeps talking about God's people. He says, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great power. And by your strong hand, O oh Lord, I beseech you, 
May your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. The man that Nehemiah is talking about is the king of Persia. And in Nehemiah writes, now I was the cupbearer to the king. It's interesting that Nehemiah finds himself in a, in a situation where he hears bad news and he automatic, automatically makes himself responsible to do something about it. A lot of the times, um, we, 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 um, we avoid being the Good Samaritan because we don't want to get caught up in the mess. And that's actually not what Jesus taught us to do. Obviously, you want to protect yourself. You want to take care of yourself. You don't want to be in a position where you can't help someone or without, you know, you got to protect yourself first and then make sure that you can go help others. But being that we are in heavenly places now before the Lord, I love that Nehemiah prays his prayer and he hears the news and he makes himself responsible for what is happening. And I love his prayer that his prayer isn't, God, go fix this, please. His prayer is, God, give me favor. He's saying, God, give me favor that I may do something about it. See, the issue with today's world and culture is that, one, we're pointing the blame at other people. We're saying it's their issue. They're at fault. They're in the wrong. And then the, uh, the second thing is that the whole pointing of the finger leads to, I, I don't have to take responsibility for it. So I have nothing to contribute. So why, even, why should I even bother with that issue? But instead, if we say God, like let's take the, the, the kind of circumstances in our nation today. God, look at us, Lord. We're kind of scattered, right? There's a lot of mindset and turmoil and going like back and forth. But God, forgive us and let our nation turn back to you, Lord. Let us do something about it. Grant us favor wherever we work. So maybe you work at, um, at a school or um, uh, an agency or a hospital or wherever it is. There you have the opportunity to do what Nehemiah did, which is to ask. He asked his brothers, how are they doing? And Jesus was asked, who's my neighbor? In other words, who's my brother and who is my sister? Well, the people around you, if you see them with the eyes of the Lord... They are your brother and they are your sister. So it's your responsibility to ask them, how are they doing? So often at work, um, if I see people kind of down, um, most recently I saw a coworker in an office um, and just kind of, I, I, I know what's like on her plate at the moment at work and stuff. And so I just popped in, I popped in my head and I just said, hey, how are you? Like, how are you, how's everything going? And just a can of worms, you know, just like, Sometimes that's all it takes, like, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? And then um, I had my head popped in, and she started, like, sharing how she was feeling. And I was like, uh, I'm going to get my whole self in here so she could see that I'm actually invested in, like, hearing her out. And so I popped in, closed the door, and she just started speaking and speaking and speaking. And then I just started kind of, like, I kind of encouraged her, but then, like, other people came in because they were going to have a meeting in there. But later on, I sent her a text message of encouragement, and I encouraged her to listen to this, um, to this preaching by Judah Smith, uh, How's Your Soul? Um, and she just said, thank you. And, you know, from there, it's kind of like hopefully she listened to it, of course. But, um, but that's the thing. Like, do we take the time to stop and ask, like, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? 
you know, and then you talk to them about it. And then if it's something tough, maybe you don't necessarily try to fix the situation for them, but you just tell them and you encourage them like, hey, like this is how you can equip yourself or Jesus can actually take care of this for you. Amen? Because remember, we're supposed to be Jesus. Okay. You guys failed the test. <laughs> just kidding. Um, some of the things um, that I asked myself as I read this chapter of Nehemiah, and I want you to kind of think about this for a second. Nehemiah is in a position of power. He serves the king straight on. He was the cupbearer, meaning when the king wanted um, a, a drink, when he wanted some wine, Nehemiah would bring the cup to him, right? And so Nehemiah, if you will, was in a position of, of, of power. He had access to the king. So Nehemiah had options. He could have stayed there serving the king in the palace, comfortable, you know, just hanging out. Or he did what he decided to do, which was pray and ask God for favor before the king. So one of the things that I ask myself is, how long was Nehemiah the cupbearer for? Like, how long was he in this position until he decided to do something about it? Um, or did he hear the news right away and just act immediately? Um, I asked myself, did he feel comfortable in his position? Like, comfortable to the point where he felt like, I don't want to do anything about this. Or did he struggle internally saying, should I do something about this? And as I was asking myself these questions, I began to ask myself these questions. How long have I been Christian for? How long have I been saved for? How long have my walls been restored by Jesus and my gates of praise been restored by Jesus? Have I gotten too comfortable? Have I held this position of royalty and authority and power in Christ Jesus? And have I done something with it? Have I stewarded what I have well? So I just started asking myself these questions. And I think they're questions that we should ask ourselves because we sit in heavenly places, right? We teach that here all the time. So we sit in heavenly places. So we should ask ourselves, what is it that you want us to do, Lord? A good question to ask is, is God, how are your people doing in my sphere of influence? How are the people around me doing? What do they need, Lord? Whether they're saved or not saved, God, how are they? How are they doing? Okay, let's keep reading. Let's go to chapter 2. We're going to read verse 1 through 6. You guys there? Are you guys uh, understanding so far? Come Comprende? <laughs> okay, so chapter 2. And it came about in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? And the king said to me, 
What would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Let's stop right there. It's so cool that Nehemiah hears bad news, prays, and then asks for favor, but he doesn't go to the king immediately and be like, hey, I got to go. He waits. He serves in his position because in that season, he was a cupbearer to the king. He doesn't um, abandon his post. He doesn't abandon where he's supposed to be. He stays where he's supposed to be. He's carrying the news, and you could see it. It's evident on his face, right? Because God, again, he, want, he wants us to be expressive. We have, you know, emotions. And, but the cool thing is that Nehemiah is not being led by those emotions. He's experiencing them. He's heard bad news, but he's not being led by negativity or the fear or whatever it may be. He's actually being led by the prayer that he prayed to God the days before. And it's not until the king, the Persian king, notices and he says, what's wrong? You look sad. And so Nehemiah's first reaction isn't like to jump to conclusions or immediately to ask for something. His response is, is, um, is in verse, let's see if I can find it. In verse 3, he says, first it says that he was afraid. And he said, let the king live forever. Some of us have some supervisors that we don't like, that we would never say, let my supervisor live forever. (laughs) But Nehemiah, who's serving a Persian king, someone who's not saved, someone who's, you could say, a Gentile in that time, not a child of God, he says, may you live forever. So in an instance, Nehemiah is showing you that the people that aren't saved around us, Though you might not agree with what they are doing, sometimes you still have to just love them and just serve them. And that will eventually one day pop up a conversation and everything will be renewed. And then there's the other thing where you're sent immediately to do something about it. And that's what happens here also. Because the king says, well, what do you request? And it's so cool and it's so good that Nehemiah, when the king says in um, verse 4, The king says, what would you request? This is like a golden ticket right here. This is like a blank check. Like, what do you want? You can ask for anything, Nehemiah. What's going to make you happy, Nehemiah? So imagine that. Imagine that you have a bunch of prayers that you want God to answer. And God comes to you and he says, what do you need? In that moment, and we can pray all prayers before God. But in that moment, which prayer do you set before God? Nehemiah could have been like, Lord, I want a bigger house. I want more money. I want higher pay. I want Sunday and Wednesday off so I can go to church and to the gathering. I want, um, I want you know, my brothers to come over here to live with me. But Nehemiah instead prays immediately after he's given the request. He immediately goes back to prayer, which is so cool to me that in a conversation, he's also having a conversation with God. And he prays to God. And his response is in verse 5, let's keep reading. I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Verse 6, then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So listen to this next part. So it pleased the king to send me. Let's stop there. A lot of what happens to us sometimes is 
is if it's like an attack or whatnot, it, it happens in spiritual places, right? In places that you can't see. Sometimes what happens to us is because of our own maybe neglect. Uh, maybe we haven't been seeking the Lord in a quiet place. And maybe we're feeling a certain wa- kind of way because we haven't um, sought out the Lord when, when nobody's looking. A lot of what happens for us most of the time um, starts in the quiet place, right? So if we pray for a new job or, you know, we pray for a promotion or for health or whatnot, and it happens, it, it most likely than not had, had its moment or its beginning in like a very intimate setting with the Lord. Do you, does that make sense? Do you guys understand me? And so, and so Nehemiah is here, he's, he's before the king, and let's say the king here represents God the Father, and God the Father comes to him and he says, what do you want? What is it that you want to do? And so after praying and praying again, Nehemiah says, send me that I may rebuild walls, that I may rebuild the gates. And then the Bible says it pleased the king to send him. First of all, in that time with that type of king that, you know, was like a Gentile and not a Christian or not even like Jewish, for him to be pleased to send an Israelite to go restore something that he had no benefit, would benefit in no way, is kind of marveling to me. That God would touch a man that didn't have him as God, but would touch a man and use him. Um, something I think I heard in the preaching that Randy Clark said is that God will defend the truth in the mouth of a liar because it's the truth. I think I messed that up. Sometimes we look at people who aren't like saved or maybe they're not Christian or they're not living like a godly life per se. Um, and they say something that is true. We might think they're disqualified from actually making an impact with what they just said, but God will actually back it up. Because his truth is not, um, is not in bondage to how we're living. But the more, right, we want more of God. We want to see certain things happen. That sometimes is tied into what you are doing in the quiet place. I get that, you know, we live in the context of grace. And that's the context that I wanted to give today. Like, we live in the context of grace. So this is not a matter of condemnation, a matter of judgment, a matter of, like, works. But then there are good works. And those are the things that God wants us to do. To be Jesus. And so um, the important thing that I want to highlight lastly here is that Nehemiah has a mission now. He has an assignment. And he says, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. He got the favor and he got the mission and he got sent. And next time I preach, we'll go into like what ends up happening after that. Um, But I want you to notice that, that Nehemiah's mission is to go rebuild walls and to go rebuild gates. Let me talk to you about gates and walls for a second and then, and then we're done. The Bible says in Isaiah 60 verse 18 that walls are salvation and gates are praise. In Revelations 21, 21, a new Jerusalem comes down and it's a shape of a square. 
and it has gates and it has walls. The gates are made out of pearls. Like, you know, the clams, you open up the clams and there's a pearl in there. The wall has precious stones on it. So it has like jewels on it. Once you walk in, the road is made out of gold. Isn't it interesting that God would use a pearl, precious stones, and gold to um, decorate his new Jerusalem? All those three elements are made in, in moments of stress. When you think of a pearl, there's constant movement underwater and sand. And the, the clam actually has to get irritated to produce a really beautiful pearl. When you think of gold, like to refine that gold, you have to stick it into the fire to where it melts. And you refine it. And you put it in the fire. And you put it in the fire. And you put it in the fire. A stone, a jewel, it, it is underneath like rock and inside of land where there's constant movement in the world, in the earth. And there's constant shifting and there's stress and there's gases and there's pressure and there's like weight. That is what God is using to decorate his walls and his gates. And then he says that you are his walls and his gates. So when Nehemiah is going to go fix a wall and a gate, he's not just in the, in the, in the literal going to go fix a wall and a gate. When God sends us to help people out, we're restoring their walls and their gates. Their walls are salvation. And maybe they've gone through something difficult. But you tell them, it's okay. Let's persevere together, brother. Because when we persevere, it builds character. And when we build character, it leads to hope. And hope doesn't disappoint. Amen. So, so when God sends us to do these things, we're restoring walls for people. And the walls are salvation. That means that they're saved. That means that they're home. And we're restoring their gates, which is a place of entry, of going in and going out. And when it calls the gates praise, that tells me, when I combine that with the book of Revelations, is that when I worship God, he sees pearls coming out of my mouth to him. Did you catch that? Your gates are praise. And in the New Jerusalem, the gates are made out of a single pearl. So when you worship God and you release breath in that moment, you're releasing a pearl to God. God sees pearls coming out of your mouth when you're worshiping. Not only can he smell it, but he can see it as a pearl. And it says that before the throne of grace, there is a sea of glass before him. That is all the difficult circumstances that you have gone through. He has gone through it with you. Just like those gems that are on your walls, out of those stressful, difficult moments, those moments where there's pressure, where there's weight, where there's uncertainty, where you don't know how you're going to make ends meet, and you still worship God, produces a pearl, and it produces glass, jewels, and gems before the throne of grace. And God rejoices in that, and he says, look at my child. Even though he's going, she's going through something difficult, she still decides to stand up and worship me. And God says, that is a pearl. That is precious stone. And that is gold. Amen? All right. So, when I was feeling bad, when I wasn't feeling handsome, <laughs> um, the answer came to me last night. 
And I felt renewed inside. And I felt renewed to once again be like, you know what the answer is? It's simple. Just seek the Lord when no one's looking. When no one's looking, do you look like when everyone is looking? Because in that moment, you're captivated by his eyes. Remember that his eyes hear. And in that moment, you become a flame of fire and you burn for what he burns for. And what he wants you to burn for is for you to be Jesus and for you to restore the walls and gates of other people. You work with these people, you go to school with these people, you shop at the same places, you, you share the same space, you share the same neighborhoods. Wherever you are, whenever you find yourself, it is a good opportunity to be Jesus. Amen? I think I want to do one story. I want to do one story. I like telling stories. So um, this is an example of somebody being Jesus. So um, last week I was listening to Chris Valentin preach, and I've told this story maybe like five times already, um, but I like telling it. It gets me really amped up. So listen to, see if you could spot the person being Jesus. Um, so Chris uh, Valentin, he's a, a pastor and a prophet at Bethel, um, Bethel Church. Him and his wife, his wife's name is Kathy. Um, one night, uh, late at night, they were talking and they were saying, you know, we, we really want to leave an inheritance for our, for our children and our children's children. And, you know, we want to leave them something when we pass on. And, but, you know, we really have a lot of debt with our house. Um, they even have like horses and like a ranch kind of. And they're like, you know, but we're really invested into our home and we've been putting a lot of investment into it. And so that was about six to nine months ago. Three weeks after he has that conversation with his wife, he's at a conference um, uh, preaching, and then he's praying. Um, he has a line of people. The last guy comes up to him, and Chris is going to pray for him, and he tells him, how can I pray for you? And the guy goes, you can't pray for me. I'm here to pay for your house. And yeah, give God glory to that. And Chris goes, oh, okay, yeah, that, that's cool. Because being who Chris Valentin is, right, he's well-known. I'm sure he gets a lot of promises that people don't come through. And so he described it as, I have hope, and then I have reserved hope, like just in case it doesn't happen. So the guy goes, you don't think I can pay for your, for your, for your house, huh? Like you, you think I don't have the resources. And Chris goes, how would I know? I don't, I don't know you. And so the guy pulls out a picture of a boat, and he, so, he says, look, this is my $600,000 boat that I bought, but God had me return it because God said, I have to pay for your house before I can buy my boat. And so Chris is like, okay, well, that's cool, but you don't know the amount of debt that I have. And so the guy goes, is it more than $3 million? And Chris goes, no. He's like, well, then we don't have an issue. And so <laughs> Chris goes, well, why don't you go talk to your pastor about it? And why don't you pray about it? And the guy goes, my pastor doesn't know more than God. God sent me here to pay for your house. And so Chris is like, well, you know, just go talk to your pastor. Go pray about it. And so Chris really was trying to hold the guy back, right? Because he says, like, sometimes people get really emotional and they want to do something. And so the guy's adamant. I'm here to pay for your house. God sent me. And so Chris goes, okay, if you pay for my house, we're not friends. We're not Facebook friends. You can't buy me. And I'm not going to give you a shout out, and we're not buddies. 
And the guy responds, I don't want to be your friend. I want my boat. <laughs> and so Chris still pushes the guy away. Three days later, the guy shows up, writes a check, pays off for his house, and cancels all his debt. Give God glory for that. A couple of weeks later, the guy sends a picture of a boat to Chris, and he goes, I got my boat. God said I could get whatever boat I wanted after I paid for your house. Sometimes what you want is coming after God has you deliver something for somebody else. Sometimes you might get a, a want prayer answered after you go do what God maybe is sending you to do. The guy who paid for Chris's house was being Jesus. Sometimes being Jesus means you pay off people's debts. He canceled our sin debt. So that's something that we can do for others too. And Chris, when he was preaching, he said, what if this story, what if this favor, right? Nehemiah was praying for favor. What if this favor isn't just for me, but it's for all of us? What if this favor is on a time, because he was talking about times and seasons. He's like, what if this favor is on a season? And he said this, and they, and they went along with what I'm preaching about. What prayer then would you ask God to answer? What prayer do you want God to answer today? Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.